0: Well, good morning. Hello, Clay. <laughs> How are you? I'm well, thanks. Yeah. So I'm here with Nicola, Nicola Jones of Athena Professional. And who's the other half of it? We can't forget Jane, can we? We cannot yeah, leave we can't Jane, Jane out, out of the story. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Jane
1: Armitage is my co-founder and co-owner of Athena Professional.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we've recently done some work together. And when we were out, we were talking about the changes in the law industry and the way that Lawyers now have to do their learning and development and their continual professional development. And I thought that was really interesting because it's a it's a change that's happened for them, and it's a change that I'm not necessarily sure that they have put a lot of thought into it, or perhaps are ready for. Or mm-hmm. there's just a there's that period of adjustment always when mm-hmm. the change comes to you know how do we mm-hmm. how do we process that and then do something with it. And I think it creates a real opportunity for law firms that are looking to create a learning culture. So if if you want to give us a little bit of background about you first of all so that we know what your background is sure. and where you where you're coming from and then just kind of give us a context for this change like why did it happen and what does it mean and
1: yeah and kind okay. Of the impact okay so um, my professional life started when I went to the bar and I was at the bar for about four years before I became director of legal skills training at the University of Warwick School of Law um, that was my first transformation into experiential learning um, working principally with regulatory authorities on legal skills training and uh, so once I uh, set up my own business, teaching legal skills, I then trans- t- tried, started to focus on uh, the, the learning journey, and the individual and learning, and that led me to coaching. And I, uh, my secondary invention was as a coach and delivering essential business skills uh, around relationship, around communication, team, and um, people leadership.
0: Okay. So you, you're... you're um passion for the learning and development aspect kind of drove you into this sort of space. Indeed, so for
1: about 20 years now I've been helping professional people to do things that are slightly outside their comfort zone, things they'd rather not focus on, um, things that are not necessarily part of uh, their core activity. So it's not all about the legal technical stuff, it's about a lot else too that complements that and presents it to the world in a meaningful and, and accessible way.
0: Awesome, and I, I, I want to just let the listeners know that we are in Havana Café, so you, you will be hearing <laughs> uh, the dishes and things going on in the background, but I like hanging out in coffee houses, and um, it's the new mobile office, isn't it?
1: It is, and yeah. it's nice too. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, so
0: if you can give us some context then about this change that's happened in the, mm-hmm. the legal industry, and then kind of what does that mean towards um, that profession? Mm-hmm.
1: So, all solicitors did something new in November 2017, Um, they they declared themselves competent to practice Um, and that was as a result of changes by the Solicitor's Regulatory Authority to the Regulations on Continuous Learning that mean that now the employer and the solicitor themselves have a joint responsibility to um, ensure that the individual is in the position to provide a proper standard of service which is what the uh, solicitor's handbook principle five says they must do. Okay. So what does that mean for them? Um, There's an opportunity here for lawyers to rethink what learning means to them personally, but also crucially to their business. Uh, uh, The great news is that learning activity has been thrown wide open. So the CPD hour is history um, and doesn't count for anything anymore. What the SRA want to see is evidence of continuous learning. But the reality is, Clay, that the SRA are not going to come and investigate and look for evidence of that unless there is an allegation of incompetence.
0: Right. So, As- so how is it? So, if I was doing um, CPD, so I was getting hours. Yeah. So, I guess my natural thing is to think, well, that was continuous learning. So, how is it? Mm-hmm. Why has the term- terminology changed, and what is it? What's the difference between saying I'm doing this many hours versus I'm, I'm now doing? competency based as i think okay. you are headed to.
1: So historically the CPD hour was very much associated with remaining up to date with technical legal knowledge. Right. And it <clears throat> excuse me it played into the lawyer's experience of academic life which was about didactic learning, information which they could apply in their lives as lawyers. All good. All needs to remain in place. Obviously, we all need to be technically up-to-date and there needs to be high levels of expertise. However, what the SRA has done is essentially just throw the doors wide open and say, you learn what you need to learn. And they've given lawyers this competency framework, which is merely indicative. They don't have to follow it, but they do have to meet the standard that that competency framework sets in whatever way they wish. Uh, and that really means that it's the, they can do what they like with their learning now. <laughs> so that's kind of uncomfortable. Um, because but that's what the
0: opportunity is, isn't absolutely, it?
1: Absolutely, but it creates discomfort because it's much easier to be told what to do much easier to tick that 16th hour on the 31st of October and know that you're home and dry in terms of compliance but now compliance means understanding all the elements of your work and being competent in all of them so there are four elements to the competency framework as there's, uh, there's managing yourself managing others legal and ethical and professional judgment and then there's legal uh, legal knowledge so there's four elements uh, and it may be that not all of them apply to everyone. So you may have backroom lawyers who are focused mainly on self-management and technical legal knowledge, and they'll need some ethical and professional judgment as well, but they won't need the management of others element. Uh, On the other hand, you may have people who have significant management responsibilities who do need all four elements. So there's an opportunity to uh, create competencies which reflect the needs of each individual. At least uh, to create that framework, and then 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 that can be used in performance management. So you actually have a descriptor.
0: Is it a challenge that it is? It because it's like a framework now. before you said it was easy. I had a number. Yeah. I got to get number 16, and you know i probably yeah. took some courses, and I could tick yeah. that off. But but now it seems a lot looser. If that makes sense, as in mm-hmm. while I have a loose framework, I don't yeah. have a, a specific. Target or yeah. God, I gotta hit this many. I don't have a thing to aim at other than I need to be able to prove competency in one of these pillars.
1: Or you may need to prove, prove competency in one or all of them. It depends right. on your role. And and it, it is exactly that. The loss of definition of learning me, in terms of hours means that lawyers need to redefine it for themselves and right. make sense of it for themselves in their business context. And that's fascinating, and it's a brilliant opportunity. And the thing that's particularly exciting is that the SRA have thrown the doors wide open on learning activity as well as, uh, as content. So you can do anything that could yeah, be a learning ex- activity. Do you have examples? Give us an example. Well, um the classic thing that lawyers think of as being a learning activity that they perhaps would... Going
0: into a classroom <laughs> or a <is> webinar. <laughs>
1: exactly, classroom or webinar are activities that they feel comfortable with because it follows that didactic telling mod- mode that they're used to dealing with. Um, but it could be that you write a blog post. It could be that you read something. It could be that you present something to clients or to, to peers. Um, it could be that you, uh, you have a conversation with a colleague about a particular problem. As long as you identify the learning that's happened and how you've applied that learning so you can evidence learning, that has been captured as a learning activity. And so we, what we've got is this need for lawyers to understand the learning process, as in understanding that what they are doing is taking on board information, but integrating it into an existing pattern of knowledge and then applying it and reflecting on it and they need to write that process down. Now,
0: does that create more work for... Well... If I'm a lawyer and I've got clients and I'm doing all these other things, is that not... I mean, it sounds like a lot of work.
1: It doesn't (laughs) have to be a lot of work. It can be done in quite short form. Right. What we don't want is another tick-box exercise. Right really what it requires is to understand that reflection is part of the learning experience so coming away from merely being told and being a sort of vessel for knowledge to understanding that you need to apply the knowledge and demonstrate that you've applied the knowledge and just <coughs> capture how that was so it may be a line or two of text it may it, it, in, a, in a in a learning log okay because
0: uh, i was going to ask you about i was going to say that um one of the things uh, and i know we went down to the learning technologies um conference and you know there's a whole there's a raft of technology out there so mm. like too much technology mm. and lms is while you had lms 1.0 i'm calling one of lms 2.0s are now so they're, they're that industry has changed but they're pushing that piece of technology so i guess it's how looking for something that helps make that recording activity or capturing activity easy, easier, seamless, and within the sort of workflow. But that seems to be, again, a, another a challenge.
1: It does. So you're talking about learning management systems there, yeah. which have gone from being big sort of hard drive, hard, hardware uh, things to software as a service now. So they're very accessible, but how do you make sense of that world? Because there's so, so many different products out there, as you said. Um, But there are products that you can use which will capture learning as you go along. Um, They need to be used intelligently so it's not just a question of so-and-so was exposed to learning on this day, which is again going back to a tick-box mentality. You need an LMS that's going to help you gather this evidence, uh, evidence of learning, evidence of application, evidence of identifying ongoing need. Um, And those products do exist.
0: Right, okay. So what would you... If I was, um, I don't know... I'm a law firm, mid sized mm. one. Mm. What should I be thinking about doing?
1: Well, I think the first question you've got to ask yourself is, why are we learning at work? Mm. What's it for? Because it's easy to do the legal update piece, and we're all familiar with that. works with the grain of experience. But what, what else do we need to do? So I would start with looking at your business strategy. What's the gap analysis there? So in five years' time, this business is going to be, whatever it's going to be, bigger, better... Um, delivering services of a different kind in a different way Um, all those things are coming so every business strategy should be looking hard at what that looks like not just we will grow we will be excellent which is what you see in most law firm uh, strategies Uh, what does it really look like in 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 particular terms and then what have you got now what skills and knowledge have you got in the business now and how are you going to equip people with the skills and knowledge that they will need to deliver that five-year vision right that's your gap analysis you need to then marry that with individual need and team need. So there's a bit of an art to sort of sewing together this learning need analysis. It's what we call it in, yeah, in yeah. L&D, right? So so we need to sew that together. And that gives us evidence on which we can base a learning strategy. And. This is something that you just don't see in the legal sector. There is a dearth of expertise around learning and development in the legal sector. It's a kind of everybody thinks somebody knows how to do it, nobody does. Yeah. And the other thing is that people are very clever, highly educated, so they think they know about learning. And learning for business purposes is quite the different beast. Believe me, I've gone on that journey from being, you know, being a barrister and being very focused on my own reputation and my own performance to looking at learning in in a much more holistic way and saying, what does it mean for the individual to feel confident and capable and then for them to contribute to the business and create business outcomes? So you almost have to create like
0: a a learning culture because, you know, at one point it might be, I've got to do this tick box exercise. And it feels the shift now is let's create you know, lifelong learning, learning culture so that it's not, a, it's not a chore, it's not something that I have to do, as mm. in I'm only doing this because I'm being told to do, but it's something that's integral to the way that we do business, to the way that we
1: yeah.
0: grow professionally, yeah. to the way that our business grows.
1: Yeah, I guess if uh, firms are looking at their Culp and saying, it's your job to make us learn, then they're getting it wrong. Mm. Um, learning, uh, learning culture is something I think businesses need to aspire to in the 21st century because there's one sure thing, is that we've all got to keep learning now. Um, you know, there is no way that we can feel that we've arrived in terms of our understanding.
0: Can I ask you about this? Because just so we have to keep learning, I've seen some stuff out there in relationship to another skill that we have to have in the 21st century is unlearning. Mm. So being able to learn and unlearn because of the pace of change and things, technology and everything moving on, we have the ability to quickly unlearn and then learn something else.
1: Yeah, I, that's a really interesting point. I like that. I saw a quote from Douglas Adams yesterday Um Douglas Adams wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and he he wrote that uh, any technology that exists when we're born is just normal. Mm. Any technology that happens before we're 35 is exciting and we might make a career out of it. And any technology that happens after we're 35 is unnatural and against the order of things. (laughs) I think that's absolutely perfect for our times because there are so many people in senior positions who would really rather ignore the whole digital agenda, the whole impact of the internet and technological advance, generally. Generally. And heaven knows, you and I, you know, at Learning Tech the other day, we're just overwhelmed by how much information, how many different resources there are. How do you make sense of it? Yeah. And I think the answer is you work with people who do try and make sense of it for you. Yeah. And that means understanding there's a need.
0: Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's because uh, the grumbles that I hear is it's just one more, if you bring in another system, there's one more thing I got to log mm. into or remember to do. Mm. And I think part of the, art of creating that culture and that structure is that it becomes a seamless part of your working Mm. day
1: yeah and we're getting there aren't we I mean you know the the buzzwords at Learning Tech were all about in the workflow Mm. just just in time uh, resources so that things the information and, and support and learning activities are driven right into the working day, right there on your screen when you need it.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, got to that, be the way to go, really isn't it? Really
1: exciting, really interesting. But can I also just say a word for what, I, what I've written about and talk about in terms of compassion in learning? Because we also need to understand the human and we also have to challenge and support that individual to do the learning so we can't just leave them alone with a load of technical resources that's when people feel isolated yeah. and alienated
0: because that's what happened with e-learning 1.0 yeah. it was like we can get rid of all the trainers yeah put everything yeah. on our powerpoint and load it up call it e-learning and you go and you just click through the slides yeah. and now you've you're trained or, or yeah click through learning
1: yeah. uh, disastrous as our webinars by the way just Le- technical webinars that don't have any interactivity are are really dull and mm. i don't know how anyone learns from them it's really passive learning is an active activity say, do, you we- wanna,
0: do you want to take a stab at defining learning for me because we had this mm. conversation over dinner as in you know because it is a you know it's it made me yeah. stop and think okay when we're because yeah. we're throwing the word around a lot it's like yeah. well, what actually is learning
1: okay so um
0: or is that too big of a I, I, topic? I am, over Well, our coffee that, that, let's point. just try and deal with that in about <laughs> yeah. sixty seconds. Right.
1: I, I, if I may, talk about my own experience. So, yeah. I, I've got sort of quite a lot of qualifications under my belt. I've got a, a history degree. I've got a master's in English literature, and I'm a, I've got a diploma in law, and I'm a barrister. Um, and I've done any number of continuous learning courses since, including qualifying as a postgraduate qualification in coaching. Okay, so tick, 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 tick. Lots yeah. of academic understanding and lots of academic experience and um, and, and and high performance. I would say that learning in the work context is different again. So we need to think about learning in terms of its context. Uh, So if I want to learn about philosophy, I might go to a book or a lecture and I might integrate that into my understanding of the world. And it's it's something that adds to my knowledge base and it's a wonderful thing. Um, But if I need to change my behaviour at work, That is a different task. That is about holding a mirror up to myself and saying, where do I go with my need to learn? What activities are going to service my learning? And how am I going to discharge my responsibility to myself in order to perform as well as I can at work?
0: So in a sense of learning, it is about helping you to change your behavior to do something, isn't it? So it's like identifying this gap that you talked about, but what are we asking people to do? What's the knowledge and skills that they need to do that? And then they learn a set of skills that helps them to perform.
1: And I think what's really interesting about that is understanding that intersection between the individual, their discretionary effort and the business. Right. Um, Because the business has to take responsibility for supporting and challenging that individual. And it's not a one-way street. Um, And I think in these days of kind of hyper-capitalism, we have this idea that people just have to keep performing better, 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 more, more pressure. When does it stop? And when does it stop? And actually, no, it it has to stop. It Mm. has to be the case that the business says, here's the time, here's the support, here's the resource. We want you to be equipped to perform. Um, We're not merely about expectation. We demonstrate our commitment to you. And that is the employment contract is a two-way process Right. and demonstrating commitment to your employees that's that's part of the story and yes in return they perform but I think we have to get away from this idea which is Um, which is, I think, dominating a little bit now because of of the void that's been created with the absence of CPD hours. So so now it's easy for law law firms to say, no, okay, well, just over to you, do what you will. And that isn't enough. And in fact, in compliance terms, it isn't enough because there's a shared responsibility. But I also think, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric about staff engagement and about getting the best from people and offering excellent client services. Well, what does that actually look like in day-to-day working life? And that looks like, I think, part of that story is demonstrating that people are recognised and their needs are recognised in terms of learning.
0: So, a couple of things, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. One is, how can Athena Professionals help lawyers, law firms to deal with this? And then where can we find you on the internet?
1: Okay, so um, we so Athena Professional provides um, advice and support on creating people strategy so the whole piece around learning and development but not just that looking at how people move through the whole business uh, um, and at each touch point how do you set expectation and and how do you hold people to account for performance Um, so we can help create strategy and the second part of that is that we can help create blended learning programs that create lasting learning um, and and transform skills Um, And I have to say, we've won awards for doing it, Um, We won awards from the Association of Business Psychology and we were finalists as Learning Provider of the Year um, from the Learning Performance Institute this year. So we've got some some peer recognition around our approach, which is to use a blend of online learning, face-to-face experiential learning, coaching and work-based learning. and you and I both share this desire to kind of look at the horizon and see what we can bring to our clients yeah, and we absolutely. constantly do that to make the learning as, as rich and as, as uh, have as much impact as possible um, so it's about not just sheep dipping can we stop sheep dipping people in learning please That that is not a way to go so by sheep dipping I mean send somebody on a course and expect them to come back to work transformed that yeah. will and not that's happen.
0: quite common though isn't it it's like you've been on the so we have this gap go on a training course then everybody should know it that's it you why are you not doing this you've been on a training yeah. for it. that's a common thing isn't it and
1: totally yeah i yeah. think
0: the, the in the course just starts the journey and then it's how do we embed yeah. embed that how if do we apply it isn't it
1: if you're not careful uh, that kind of learning activity actually adds to the pressure because you know we maybe get someone come on a one-day performance management course and then they're expected to know how to do it and do it really well actually mm. they're merely acquainted with some skills. They haven't had the opportunity to practice, reflect, get more feedback. And if you know about learning, you know that formative learning is the most important part.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of the scuba diving, as in, and I guess driving the same, when we, when I was qualifying to be a scuba diver. And one of the things they said is, you actually learn scuba diving after yeah. your certification, isn't it? So you, during the certification, but you're just learning the skills, yeah. how to stay safe. But then you actually learn how to dive once you yeah. pass that and you can get out yeah. and you can start to apply it and use it and yeah. become fluid in it.
1: And to be fair, this is a good thing the SRA have done. Um, mm. Lawyers find that kind of hard to stomach because they're not very fond of the SRA. But <laughs> this is a good thing the SRA have done because they're saying you can now engage in continuous learning exactly the same way you're talking about with your scuba diving. So it's open to a business to say what it needs and to go about helping people on that journey to learning, not just giving them a one-off course and saying right now you're fixed
0: sweet now where can we find you In you can the- find
1: us at athenaprofessional.co.uk <laughs> um, and you can email me on nicola at athenaprofessional.co.uk um, social uh, media and i am on twitter at new.jones so that's n-w-o.jones. double jones
0: all right
1: yeah that's that's my familiar name <laughs> new and uh and on linkedin also
0: okay excellent Well, thank you for that. I enjoyed that. We'll have to have a follow-up conversation because I'm interested in a number of different uh, topics, especially about how technology is impacting learning and the way that we we learn these days. And it's it's a wide open field now. It is. All to play for.